you have your Bible, go ahead and open with me to the book of Genesis. It's a tough one to find. Genesis chapter 28. Uh, We're going to start today as we kick off our new series with one story that I want to use as a foundation for this series. Um, if you can't find Genesis, we are so glad you're here at City Church today. Uh, man, you, we, we are thrilled to share the word of God with you. It's the first book in the Bible, if you didn't know. Um, Genesis chapter 28, we're going to start in verse 10. This is the story of a man named Jacob. If you don't know Jacob, Jacob is a very foundational person in Scripture, and he's not foundational in Scripture because he's this great guy. He's not foundational in scripture because he has it all together and he loves God with all his heart. He's foundational in scripture because despite many weaknesses and many flaws, God loves him and chooses to use him, which makes Jacob a whole lot like us. Amen? And so despite Jacob's flaws and failures, which he's in this story, he's in the midst of a big failure. What's happened is we're going to pick the story up as Jacob has lied to his father uh, and, and stolen the blessing from his older brother Esau, his twin brother, but older brother who was entitled to the blessing from the father. So he's stolen the blessing. Now he's gone on the run. His mom, who's kind of on Jacob's side, dad's kind of on Esau's side, messed up family, right? Just like ours, just like yours, like dysfunctional. Mom's on Jacob's side. So she says, go to your uncle Laban, my brother, go to his house, flee up there uh, to his country and you'll be safe there. So Jacob goes on the run. So he's not in the midst of this amazing place in his walk with God right now. Jacob is not on the spiritual high. You might have come to church today and you're not in a great place with God. You may have come to church today and you're coming off a bad decision. You're coming off a bad situation. You're coming out of something that you know doesn't look like God's plan for your life. I want you to know even if that's you today, that does not mean God doesn't have something for you this morning. Doesn't mean God has forgotten you. Doesn't mean God has abandoned you. In fact, I think it means God wants to show up right in the midst of your rebellion, right in the midst of your sin, right in the middle of your bad decision and wants to reveal something to you today, just like he's gonna do with Jacob. So in Genesis chapter eight, verse 10, we find the story of Jacob. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. Haran is the city where his uncle Laban lives. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. That's a good reason to stop. They didn't have street lights. They didn't have electricity, right? The sun goes down. All right, let's go ahead and set up camp here. Notice that he didn't have any general plan to be in this place. He only settled at this place because he couldn't go any further. Maybe you're here today because you just can't go any further. Maybe you didn't have any real plan to be at this place this morning, yet you find yourself here because the path that you're on, you see, I just can't go any further the direction that I'm going. I believe God wants to speak to you if that's you. It says, when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun has set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And you think your pillow is not comfortable. Dude, sleeping on a stone. You know you're not in a great place in life when you're laying down with a stone pillow, right? Like, this is not the vision. This is not the plan. He didn't put this on the vision board. Like, things have gone wrong in your life when you're sleeping on a rock. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head, and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending 
on it. Jacob, in the midst of his rebellion, in the midst of his sin, falls asleep and he has a dream of heaven. Now, there are people who've written songs about this stream, right? Led Zeppelin wrote a famous song about this scene, about this dream. But this is something that, that, that is very powerful for Jacob as he's experiencing it. It says, verse 13, there above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am Yahweh, the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. In the midst of his sin, God makes Jacob a promise. Waymaker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. In the midst of him rejecting God's best for his life, God still shows up. This is the grace of the God that we serve. This is the God who loves us despite our weaknesses, despite our shortcomings, who still has a plan for us, even when we don't really have a plan for ourselves. He says this, verse 14, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. If this promise sounds familiar, it's because Jacob's not the first one who's gotten this promise. This same promise came to Jacob's grandfather. Abraham, decades before, God made this same promise to Abraham, and now he's making the promise to Jacob. In other words, he's affirming, I am still the same God that I was decades ago. The same promise I made to your grandfather to bless all people on earth through him, that promise is coming through you. Your descendants will spread out all over the east, the west, the north, and the south. Verse 15, he says, I am Yahweh with you, will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. In other words, you're on the run right now for your life. The reason why he's fleeing is his brother Esau is bigger, stronger, and badder, and manlier than he is, okay? Uh, And Esau is very angry, rightfully so, and Jacob is running for his life, and God says, you are on the run for your life right now, but I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to protect you, and I will bring you home. Now, Jacob doesn't know everything he's got to go through before that promise comes true, right? Sometimes we get the promise, and we get impatient for the promise to arrive. And we're not willing to go through the process to prepare us for the promise. Jacob's going to go through some process to prepare him to receive the promise, but the promise is going to be fulfilled. God is going to bring him back home to this place. He says, I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, verse 16, he thought, surely, don't call me Shirley, surely, too young of a church, nobody even got the airplane reference, it's okay, it's okay, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Surely the Lord was in this place, and I didn't even know. I love Jacob's revelation here. He doesn't say, wow, God showed up in this place for me. That's usually our reaction, right? Man, I wish God would just show up. I wish God would move in this thing. Jacob had this revelation, not that God showed up where he was, but that Jacob just showed up where God was. That God was already here. He was already moving. I may not have seen it, and I may not have felt it, but he was already working, and now I've become aware of this. Verse 17, he was afraid 
and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head. He took that pillow and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He anointed the pillow. How many need some anointed pillows? Get some extra rest, right? He poured oil on top of the pillow. He called that place Bethel, which means house of God. Though the city used to be called Luz, which means almond tree. Nothing very significant, right? Used to just be a tree, used to just be a place where there's some stuff going on, some stuff was growing, but now Jacob realized God's here. This is Bethel, this is the house of God. Would you pray with me as we get ready to kick this series off? Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. God, I thank you that these are not empty words or empty stories. God, these are not just things that you've given us, fables to teach us a good moral point. God, but this is the living, breathing, active word of God. God, that is powerful to to change lives. God, it is powerful to give us revelation of you, to reveal your heart, to reveal your, your character, your nature, to reveal what you are up to in your people's lives. God, just as Jacob became aware of your presence, God, we pray that this morning and over these next seven weeks as we study the awakening, God, that we would awaken to what you were up to. God, as a church, that we would awaken to your plan for us, that we would awaken to the things you have prepared for us. God, as individuals, that we would awaken to the call you have on our lives, to the purpose you've placed within us. God, we speak awakening over your people right now. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to awaken us. Do not allow us to be asleep, God, but awaken us to what you're up to. We thank you for what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Today we kick off this series called Awakening. Somewhere around December of last year, I started feeling this, this tug in my heart towards this word, that this was, this was the direction God was taking us in 2020, that God's plan, God's vision, God's heart for City Church, more than anything else, is that we would awaken this year, that we would awaken to what he's up to, that we would awaken to his call, his purpose within us corporately as well as individually. Here we are two months into the new year, and I don't 100% understand everything that God wants to do through this. I've got, I think, a pretty good concept of it. I'm probably maybe 90% of the way there. I'm sure there's some things that I don't see. I'm sure there's some things that I'm unaware of. But as I've been praying through this and pursuing this, I've, I've gotten, I believe, a, a pretty decent direction of what this is supposed to look like in our lives. Um, as followers of Jesus, spiritually, throughout life, we see a number of awakenings. Obviously, originally, the salvation experience is an awakening, right? It's our first awakening to what God is doing. Uh, when we do a funeral, what I like to say, and I did a funeral on Friday. When I do a funeral for a follower of Jesus, one thing I always try to mention is that we don't mourn this individual's final sleep. We celebrate their first full awakening. Right, So there is an awakening coming that hopefully is not during this series. Right, That's not what we're professing, that we're all going to die. Uh, but, but we are going to die one day, 
And if we know Jesus, there is a full and true awakening in store for us, unlike anything we've ever experienced, where we see him fully for who he truly is. But in between the point of awakening to salvation and receiving the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and awakening to Jesus face to face, there are a number of awakenings that God will bring us through. And so the first thing I want you to write down today is this, the life that God has for us is a series of awakenings. The life God has for us is a series of awakenings. In my life, as I've told you, I don't really know when my salvation awakening was. I've prayed the prayer a number of times as a child and wanted what God had for me, and I don't know exactly when that took. I just know that it did. Um, I've had other awakenings. When I was 14 years old, I had a spiritual awakening when I received what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God did something massive within me and, and really changed my personality. I went from, from a coward who was afraid for my friends to even know that I went to church to, to somebody who, who wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. God did something supernatural within me. That was a massive awakening in my life. When I was 19 years old in Bible college, I was in a place of deep sin a place of, of deep bondage, and I had an awakening, an awareness of the wretchedness of what I was into, and that God had something so much greater for me. It was awakening of repentance, and God started something in me at 19 years old that it took a lot longer to take root than I expected it to, but prepared me ultimately for my bride, who I would marry at 28, Right, so, so God does a series of awakenings within us. At some point I had this awakening that, that God had something for me besides just youth ministry. And I don't say just youth ministry to dismiss youth ministry because I think youth ministry is amazing. And I'm so grateful that God allowed me to partake in youth ministry. I'm so grateful for the young man who's leading our youth ministry right now. I don't mean to dismiss that in any means. But for a long time I thought that's all I'm ever going to do. And, and there was an awakening where God began to make me aware, hey, I've, I've got something else. I've got a new season for you to venture into. Some of you may be venturing into new seasons, to new callings, to new ministries, to new giftings, to new passions, right? And so oftentimes God uses something to awaken us to those things, to make us aware of something new. And in 2011, we had this awakening to a new season as we did a Daniel fast, uh, excuse me, in 2012, where God had something new for us in, in a lot of different ways, and we awakened to, to a new standard of giving. We're going from 10% to 15%. We awakened to some new spiritual habits, right? There's all these different times in our life where God ordains for us to have an awakening, where we have this Jacob moment. We realize God is in this thing I didn't realize God was in. God is in this place I didn't know he was in, and he wants me to move towards it. God wants me to partake in it. In Genesis chapter 2, we see all through Scripture, we see awakenings. Genesis chapter 2, we see one of the first ones, right? God causes Adam, the first man, to go to sleep. He takes a rib from him. He uses that rib to craft Eve. Adam has his awakening. He opens his eyes, and only one thing is different in his life, and yet everything has changed. And he says, whoa, man. Right? You didn't know Adam was a hippie. Uh, Adam says, whoa, man, there's this woman. Everything is different in his life. He awakened to new responsibility. He had been given dominion of the earth. 
He had already been given a lot of responsibility, and yet he awakens to a new role that God has placed in his life as husband, as leader of a family, ultimately as father. There's all these awakenings we go through in different seasons at different places in life, and it doesn't automatically happen just because we take on a new role, but at some point we have to awaken to the new thing God has called us to, to, to the depth of what that really means. And the Old Testament repeatedly, God calls on his people, Israel, to awaken. 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 I want you to be aware of this. I want you to see what is going on in Isaiah 52.1. It says, awake, awake, Zion. Close your, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. Jerusalem, the holy city. We used to sing this song in church growing up. Awake, O Israel. Put off thy slumber and the truth shall set you free, right? That God had this awakening for his people. In the New Testament, Jesus repeatedly refers to people who have passed away and says they're just sleeping. Mark chapter 5, there's this guy, Jairus, who comes to him. He's got this 12-year-old daughter who's very sick, and he rushes to Jesus, come and heal her, and Jesus is on the way to heal her, and she passes away. And Jesus gets to the house, verse 38, it says, When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. You ever laughed at God's promise? You ever laughed at what God wanted to do in your life? God, that's just ridiculous. God, there's no way. Right? We, we see this repeatedly in Scripture, right? Sarah laughs at the promise. You're going to get pregnant. I'm 90 years old. That's a good joke, God. You're funny. God has a sense of humor. Well, God is able to breathe life into places where there was no life. He's able to awaken things within you that have fallen dormant or died, even death itself. So he raises this girl back to life, as you know. Can, can you imagine this situation, John chapter 11, Lazarus, right? Let's listen to this. Verse 11 says, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He's dead. But I am going there to wake him up. Listen to the disciples' response. I love the disciples. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Can you imagine giving medical advice to Jesus? Right? Some of us, we do this with our doctor, right? Like they went to school for 37 years, uh, but we have WebMD. Uh, so here's what you need to do, doctor, right? Uh, and we speak to these experts as if we have this thing all figured out. Jesus, the great physician, says, I'm going to wake him up. And this, don't wake him up, Jesus. He needs rest. Disciples see so much of ourselves in them. Verse 13, Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. As you know, Jesus goes and he awakens Lazarus from the grave. There's a level of awakening, I believe, that God wants us to experience between our salvation experience and our physical resurrection when we truly come back to life. There's something he wants to do in us now. In the New Testament, we see it this way in the letters. Romans chapter 13 says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Everybody say, it's time. The hour has already come for you, follower of Jesus, to awaken 
from your slumber. It is time. This letter was written to the church. This was not written to the lost. This is not a letter of how to share Jesus and watch the lost awaken. This is a letter to the church that it is time for us to awaken. In other words, God's up to more than we're aware of, and it's time we became aware of it. Amen? It's time. It's time. He says, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Not our salvation of first receiving Jesus, but our ultimate salvation of seeing Jesus face to face. It says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. It's time. It's time. Going back to Genesis 28, going back to Jacob. Jacob's on the run, right? He's fleeing from his brother. He has this vision of what we call Jacob's ladder, this stairway to heaven. And Jacob's ladder is not just this cool vision. It's actually a picture of Jesus Christ. Jacob sees a a, a picture, a metaphor for Christ. We know this because Jesus actually references it in regards to himself. In John chapter 1, verse 50. It says, Jesus said, he's talking to Nathaniel. Nathaniel is this, this disciple who he's calling, who doubted Jesus at first, and then Jesus said, hey, Nathaniel, I saw you on the fig tree before you even showed up, under the fig tree. And he's like, how'd you even know? You must be the Messiah, right? And so Jesus says this. He says, you believe because I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending. On the Son of Man, he uses the same phrase, the angels of God ascending and descending. In Genesis 28, they're ascending and descending on the stairway to heaven. In John 1, they're ascending and descending on the Son of Man, Jesus. What's the picture? The picture is that Jesus is the bridge between earth and heaven. Jesus is the bridge between God and man, that there's no way for us to get to where God is on our own, but because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, because he died for our sins, now there is a ladder, there is a stairway, there is a path for us to go from where we are to where God is. Genesis 28, 16, it says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. We're going to do throughout this series is we're going to look at some things that I believe God wants us to awaken to. I'm going to give you kind of the, the outline of the series. These may not be the exact order, but these are the topics, the types of things we're going to talk about over the next six weeks. We're going to talk next week about how we need to awaken to intercession. Intercession is, is praying and standing in the gap for people, for the lost, but also for, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, what they may be facing and going through. So we're going to awaken to God's call for us as intercessors. Now, some of us are gifted as intercessors. That's your spiritual gift and your calling, and you sure better be walking in that. Yet all of us have been given the responsibility of intercession. So some of us, we have a greater load to bear because we're gifted there, but all of us have a responsibility in it. So we're going to awaken next week to intercession. Then as we move forward, we're going to talk about awakening to serving. And the opportunities to serve, both here at City Church and in our community. We're going to talk about awakening to giving. And I'm not going to tell you what day that is because you're not going to come. But we're going to talk about it and God's plan and his ability. And this is one that maybe when we started planning this series, this was before the whole situation with with Badama. Which if you don't know, you guys gave over $6,400 to provide a family a house in Macedonia. Which you can build a house in Macedonia for $6,000. You've already started to awaken to this. I'm so grateful for some irrational generosity in the house of God, but I believe there's more that God wants to awaken us to in that area. We're going to talk about awakening to worship. 
That Sunday, we're going to spend a little extra time in worship. In fact, through the whole series, we're spending a little more time than normal in worship, which is why i got to wrap up here very quickly because I don't have as much time as I'm used to, but that's okay. It's a good thing. We're going to awaken to worship. We're going to talk about awakening to evangelism, that each of us has an opportunity to share Jesus, a responsibility to share Jesus. Again, just like intercession, some of us are gifted as evangelists. Right? Some of us are going to go out and we're going to win hundreds or thousands to Jesus. That's an awesome gift. Not everyone in this room is called to do that. And yet everyone is called to share Jesus, to share what he's done for us, to share his love for us, to share the possibility for someone to receive him. And then Easter Sunday, we're going to finish the series. We're going to wake into the resurrection. What does the resurrection mean? What are its implications? How does it impact us today, 2,000 years later? This is they awoke on Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago and discovered everything has changed. We're going to awaken to how things have changed, to the resurrection on Easter Sunday. These aren't the only things that God placed in my heart for us to awaken to. That's just the length of the series that we have. Uh, Because we're going to go into a marriage series after that because we got some marriages we're going to fight for. We're we're, going to play offense for our marriages. So starting this Sunday after Easter, we're going into a marriage series. Um, I wanted to include awakening to the Holy Spirit. But this one's so heavy on me, so important, we're actually going to do a full series on that. So instead of a message on it, uh, this fall, we've got a a series planned uh, where we're going to go in depth and talk about awakening to the Holy Spirit. There are a few other things I wanted to discuss, and we're going to find ways to weave them in throughout the year. But these are the, the primary things I believe God wants to awaken us to, at least at this point. Hopefully we can whet your appetite for those other things here. Genesis 28, 16, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Here's, here's what I want to challenge you with from this message. We're going to bring our city group leaders up here in a moment and share with you the, the city group semester, the opportunities for us to connect uh, and, and build community. But I want to give you two things just to take from this introduction today before we start getting into the nuts and bolts and the practical pieces of this as we go. Number one thing I want you to do is I want you to accept that God has something for you that you are not yet aware of. I want you just to accept that. I want you to receive that in faith. Some of us are are, are a lot further along in our spiritual maturity, and you may be pretty close to the picture of what God has for you and and what what his call and purpose is for you. I want you just to go ahead and embrace this idea that there's something I haven't seen yet. There's something I haven't heard from him yet. There's, There's a piece of my calling, of my purpose, of his desire for relationship and intimacy with me that I have not yet discovered. So we're just going to awaken to this idea, accept this idea that there's more that he has for us. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to desire to become aware of what God has for you. See, these aren't the same thing. One is in your head, right? Okay, yeah, there's something else out there. I'm going to accept that. I'm going to embrace that knowledge. But, but now I want you to activate your heart. I want you to receive it intellectually, and then I want you to believe it and act- activate your passion. God, I want everything you have for me. God, if there's something around me, if there's something in your spirit, if there's something out there that I haven't seen yet, I need you to awaken me to that possibility. And so I'm going to ask you this week just to start praying that through. No specifics. Man, we'll get to specifics. We'll we'll get to some challenges. We'll get to some things. But as we start, I just want to preface this with the idea that no matter where you are in your walk with God, whether you don't even know Jesus yet, or you are a seasoned, mature believer, that God has you here because he ain't done. Right? You have not moved on to the next life yet, which means there's more purpose for you. 
which means there's more for you to accomplish. So I want you to awaken and embrace the idea, okay, God, there's more, and I want you to start activating your faith. God, I want it. God, I want it. I want you to pray those things for you individually, but I'm going to ask you, will you pray that for us corporately? Can we receive that together and begin believing, God, God, there is more that you want to do at City Church than what we've done before? God, we have not arrived as a church. We have not gotten to everything that you have on the list for us. God, we want all that you have for us. I ask you to believe those two things. In fact, would you, would you stand with me for a moment as we pray out these things? We're going to confess and believe that God wants us to awaken. And we're going to ask him to activate something within each of us, an awareness of what he's up to, an awareness of the places that he's in that we can engage with him, we can pursue him and all that he has for us. Tell you what, would you do this as a, as a show, of, as a posture of, of expectancy, of receiving? Would you just stretch your hands up like this? God, there's something I need from you. Father God, we come to you right now, believing you have something for your people. God, you are a good God. God, you are the God who, who met Jacob in Jacob's rebellion who met him in his deception, who met him in his sin and revealed Jesus to him. So God, right now, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, Lord, we pray that you would reveal Jesus to them in the same way you did to Jacob. That they would see you for who you are, for your goodness, for your grace, for your plan and purpose for their life. God, that they would awaken to the reality of Jesus Christ in their life. God, for those of us who've already received Jesus, who've experienced that first awakening, God, we thank you. You have a future awakening for us where we'll see you face to face, God, but we're in the in-between awakenings. And so, God, we ask that this March 2020, April 2020, that this would be a season of a new awakening. God, I pray that you awaken new dreams, just as Jacob had a new dream. God, that you awaken new callings. You awaken new purposes. God, I pray you awaken old callings and old purposes that we haven't fulfilled yet. Things that because of life, because of circumstances, because of sin, because of doubt, that, that we've believed, okay, maybe that wasn't supposed to happen. God, if it was you, we pray that you awaken it in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, begin to stir up gifts. God, that may have lain dormant. God, begin to stir up passions that have begun to fade. Begin to stir up a desire for intimacy with you where we've accepted a plateau and we've accepted a level that is short of what you have for us. Awaken us, God, and awaken the desire within us to have your very best. God, let us not settle for something less than your best, but let us give everything in pursuit of what you truly have for us. We thank you for what you're gonna do in us individually, for what you're gonna do in us corporately. We love you and we praise you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. Look at somebody and say, it's time.